0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. So we are right in the middle of a series called Good News, really kind of anchored in Luke 2, where the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news. And the reason that we're In this series is because, I don't know, I think we need some good news, you know. And when you look at the world that we're in, um, it's filled with bad news. And we believe that the birth of Jesus that was heralded thousands of years ago as good news is still good news. So that's why we've spent a few weeks. It's actually, this series is going to culminate on Tuesday evening, in an event that we started last year, we call it Vintage Christmas. It's at um, at Dennis Vineyards, which is right down twenty four twenty seven. It's at two events, so six and seven thirty. We, it's an hour long acoustic worship and communion service for your family. It's a great way to make Jesus the central experience for your family this Christmas. As you get ready to launch into Christmas Eve and your Christmas traditions, the day before Christmas Eve Eve is when we have our special time together. And so we'd love to have you out. Um, Again, the, the seven... Uh, To 7.30 window, we actually share uh, some coffee, hot chocolate, and cupcakes. And so if you're coming to the 7.30, get there a little early so you can visit and hang out with some friends. Uh, We'd love to have you again on Tuesday night for Vintage Christmas. In the first week, we looked at why the world is filled with bad news. The world is filled with bad news because the world is filled with sin. And as long as there's sin in this world, sin is in its nature going to generate bad news. And if we live focused on the bad news, if our lives are fixed on the bad news, we'll live in fear and anxiety and worry. But the angel begins that, that uh, great speech to the shepherds by telling them that they don't have to be afraid. And, you know, really, if we live our lives focused on the good news of Jesus, we will live in peace and joy. Last week, we looked at the the reality of Jesus coming to earth, that God is with us. And many times, we we don't think that God is with us. We don't process life as if God is with us. And we looked at two specific things that God is present in that we often don't think that God is there. The first one is our pain. And the truth is, is, Christmas is not always comfortable for all of us, so we uh, some of us experienced great loss in the last year. And, and so we need to realize that God came to earth as this great demonstration that even in the middle of our pain that he wants to be there. And then that God wants to be in the middle of our problems, right? Because you're all crazy and you all need a savior to rescue you from your craziness, right? And so this week we're going to continue Uh, to look at the statement that the angel... So, Jimmy read the whole passage, but I just want to go back and look at uh, two of the statements that were made in Luke 2. So, follow with me in verse 10, beginning there. The angel said to them, the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice that the angel says... I bring you good news, and this good news will cause great joy. This good news will cause great joy. Now, there's some tension in those words that I want to spend a few minutes just kind of examining. All right, the, the tension really actually is that the first thing we need to understand is that the Bible promises joy. It promises joy to us. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 61, the passage that that it prophetically looks forward to who Jesus is going to be. And then later, when Jesus actually announces his public ministry in synagogue, in church, Jesus would read this passage and say, This is me. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Look at part of that with me. Isaiah sixty-one three. Jesus would have been speaking this later in the book of Matthew, but this is Isaiah writing prophetically about him. He has sent me to provide for those who... Grieve in Zion. And look at what he says about how he's going to take care of those who are grieving, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And just so you understand that that the process of mourning, right, would, would have been where they would have covered their faces in ashes, they would have worn different clothes. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to wipe away the ashes. I'm going to give you a crown that is beautiful in the midst of your mourning. And then look at this. The oil of joy instead of mourning. See, in the midst of even great tragedy, the Bible promises that we can have joy in Jesus. So there's got to be something that's a little different than joy in the way that we think about happiness. Because the truth of the matter is the Bible does not promise that if you choose to follow Jesus, you'll be happy. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say this in John 16, that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. That if we choose to follow Jesus in this world, in this life, we will meet resistance. There is a flow of culture and it is flowing against the direction that God would draw us with his life. And so when we choose to follow him, we will meet resistance. That's good. That's healthy actually. Makes us stronger. Jesus would go so far in that statement as he was talking there to say, if the world hates you, take heart. Hated me first. You know, the Bible actually speaks about happiness it's forty-two times in the in the Old Testament. Most most of the collection actually kind of uh, consolidates itself in the Book of Psalms. The word. Esher is used. And, and only uh, about 18 out of those times, it's tra- that word, that Old Testament Hebrew word, is translated into happy. That's where you'll read, like, happy is the man who, right? And, and in the New Testament, again, um, 49 times the word makarios is used, and, and only a few times, about six times, that word in the New Testament is translated into happy. Okay, so the, so the Bible does talk about that, but but what's what's interesting is that these Old Testament words, these New Testament words, these ancient words from from Hebrew and Greek, when they are not translated into happy, the 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 kind of better word is used, and that word is this blessed. Whenever you read the word happy in Scripture, it often really should be translated best. That's what it means. That's what the word itself in its original context means. And see, see, blessed is kind of the interchange between us and God. Happy is kind of how we feel about it, right? See, there's a difference between blessing and joy, too. This is in your notes today. Blessed describes what God does To us. Blessed describes what God does to us. But joy describes what God does in us. You see, blessings, happiness, they are situational. They're they're kind of confined to a moment. Joy is something that God does inside of us. Let me help you understand it in this way. A a blessing is what we receive, but joy is what we keep. A blessing is what we receive. Joy, however, is what we keep. I'm going to throw a a statement up on the board. And I, I want to help connect these and try to help you understand why this is important for you this Christmas. See, the only way a blessing, something that God has done to us can become our joy is if we're willing to let go of it. The only way a blessing, the thing that makes us happy on the outside that's situational can become a joy, something that's inside and lasting is when we're willing to let go of that thing. Because the blessings of God are not for you because he wants to to shower. He wants you to just sit in a pool of blessings. See, God has blessed you so you can be a blessing. God has given to you so that you can be a giver. God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing. That, that truth permeates the entire Bible. That the message of God is that He would bless us, that He would kind of shower us with His blessings. But somehow on As those blessings are held, and think about this, as those blessings are held not not with a clenched fist, but with an open hand, willing to be given away, God takes what he does in us and to us and shares it with the world that's lost and broken. In Zechariah chapter 8, God Uh, through the prophet Zechariah, is speaking to Israel. Now, Israel has has lost its way. As a nation, as a group of people, they have started sinning and and they have failed God. And and in this great passage in, in Zechariah 8, God is restoring their relationship. He's coming back in and forgiving them and making them right again. And he says this in Zechariah 8. 13, so I will save you, I will give to you, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. What God does to you is not for you, it's what God wants to do through you. I'm going to say that again. What God does to you is not simply for you, it's what He wants to do Through you. When I used to teach literature, one of the exercises we would do with our students is we would ask them, you know, hey, as we're reading a a literary work, we would make them come up with the main idea, right? That that helps us understand that they kind of understood what we read and that it it made sense. They kind of know what it's all about. And really, here's... What a main idea. A main idea is just a simple sentence that describes the work. Right? William Wallace gave his life for the freedom of Scotland. Right? That's the main idea of Braveheart. Anybody love Braveheart? Love that movie. right? It's just a simple sentence. So what is a simple sentence? Start thinking about this. This is, this is what a simple sentence is. It's just an object and an action. William Wallace saved scholar. Start thinking about that with the Bible. What's the main idea of the Bible? Who's, who's the object of the Bible? You know, sometimes we misread the Bible. And we think that we're the main object in the Bible, that we're the main character. We're not. We're not. I don't know if you figured that one out yet. All right. But we're not. The Bible is about God. But here's a question for you. What's God doing in the Bible? What's God doing? As a matter of fact, that that question's been postured a bunch. In a seminary class not too long ago, a professor that I know asked his students the same question. What's the one thing throughout the whole Bible that God is doing? And a bright young student raised his hand and said, "I, I think God is loving us. is remarkably incomplete. See, love might help us understand God's motivation, but it does not help us understand what God has done. Read this with me and think about what I just asked you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal Life. What is God doing in Scripture? From the very beginning until the end, God gives. You see, Christmas is a story about God giving to us. God not holding back from us, not laying low. God gave, and He gave generously to us. God gives. And he demonstrates to us a a posture and a way of thinking about the stuff that we hold that is very different than we think about it. Because many of us have defined life and our quality of life by what we can acquire. But when you die, your life will be not measured by what you have, but by what you've given away. So read this words that come from Jesus in Acts 20. The Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now I told you what that word blessed could be translated into, right? Happy. Jesus said, if we will shift our thinking and stop thinking about what we get and start thinking about the blessings that we hold. How can we give them away? Our lives will start to have something that the Bible calls joy. That's what the angel is pointing towards in Luke chapter 2. I bring you great news. This is good news. That will be a joy for all people. That in, in the verb that's used there is that it will cause joy. The good news will, will bring about joy. It, that, that as a byproduct of the good news, we'll have joy. If we do like the shepherds and refuse to hold on to the blessing. Be people who are willing to let the blessing come. And go. Today I want to point out three things that God has blessed us all with that He doesn't intend for us to hold with a closed fist. That if we'll all grab the fact that we can share these things, that we can be generous with these things, the world will be a better place and you will live with more joy. The first thing is that we need to understand at Christmas that God has given us a family. God has given us a family. Think about Christmas for a moment. Think about the language that we use, that God the Father would send God the Son, and God the Son would come to earth as a baby in the middle of a family. God would literally split up His family to send His Son into a family where He would be adopted, so that we, who are lost and without a family, could find a family. Read what the Bible says in Romans eight Romans eight fifteen. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you. As his own children. You see, around here we use the term church family. We don't take that lightly. As a matter of fact, my kids have a lot more aunts and uncles than they um, really understand our aunts and uncles. All right? Because family is something that God chose to give away. And at this time of the year, we realize how important it is. That's why we huddle together with our families. But just like God, we need to be willing to hold our families with an open hand. Parents, let me just remind you, your kids aren't yours. As much as you love them and as much as you care about them, Jesus loves them more. He cares about them more. His plans for them are better than your plans for them. Trust Jesus with your kids. Launch them out into the world and let God use them. See, we need to hold the blessing of family with an open hand. Sometimes that means letting folks come in. Sometimes, like with our kids, it's letting them go, be who God's called them to be. The second thing that God has given us is God has given us wealth. And I know many of y'all are sitting there thinking, what? You, Kevin, you you know me. I'm not wealthy. I mean, if you... You've been to my house, right? You've seen what I drive. You, well, I'm not wealthy. Can, or Just statistically, Stanley County, the average median income in Stanley County is in the mid-30s for a household, around $35,000 a year for a family. All right, That's not a ton of money if you're around here, All right, but that's the median income in our area. If you go into a database, and I'll post this link on, on Facebook later on. If you go into a, a database in, post $35,000 a year to try to figure out where that is as it ranks in the world, it's in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. There are families in underdeveloped countries that exist on just a couple hundred dollars a year. And some of us this Christmas will drop that much money in one meal. God has given you wealth. And let me just not make an appeal that has to do with our church. You guys are generous by God's grace. We, we have had a wonderful year. Let me, let's, let's just talk about the body of Christ in general. If, if people who love Jesus could understand that God blessed us so that we could be a blessing. God has given to us so that we could give. There would be no need for social programs. There would be no need for food stamps or because the church could take care of the poor and the needy just like the Bible tells us to. If God's people would give the way God wants them to. I love this moment. In the Bible, in Luke 19, there's a man who's been all about getting. His name was Zacchaeus, and apparently he was a wee little man. So as Jesus is coming into town, Zacchaeus climbs up a tree to see him, and Zacchaeus is spotted by Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. Right, so Zacchaeus... We're going to pick up in that story in, in Luke 19, verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. And as Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people, and he was a tax collector, all right, the way that tax collectors made bank back in that day was if somebody owed 25, they would say you owed 35, and they would skim that 10 off the top. So he says to Jesus, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, and he had, I will give them back four times as much. Think about that moment. What a radical shift to experience in the heart of a man. That he would go from being someone who his whole life is defined by getting to when he comes face to face with our Savior who was homeless, who had very little material possessions, but carried all the authority and power that the world could hold, he realized how pointless his money was. And he said, I'll give half of it away. It doesn't matter. And literally the word that's used means half of everything I own. So that means half of my, my entire estate, I'm gonna give it away. You see, when we choose to look at the financial resources that God has blessed us with as a blessing to bless, as a gift that we can give, we move from stress to peace. We move to a point where there is joy. Because what does the Bible say about givers? That God loves a cheerful giver, a joyous giver because when we let the blessing become a blessing for someone else, somehow God does something inside of us. And the last thing that I want you to see that God has given us is God has given us His Son. God has given us His Son. And for every one of us in this room, every single one, there is something that's in your life that you have said this, I know God doesn't want me to give this. And it comes out in things like this. You know, I work hard all week. When it comes to Sunday, I know God wants me to enjoy my day. I know God, you know, surely God would never ask me to serve because He knows I need to rest on Sundays. Some of you might have said, you know, I... I know God sees my, my checkbook and I know that he, he knows things are tight. I can barely pay my bills. and I mean, certainly God would never ask me to give. Not when things are this tight. See, there's something in every one of our lives that we've put our hand on and said, no, I will not go that far. But you know what God did? He gave his one and only son His son. Think about it. It's as if God said, I hold nothing back. The most powerful, the most prized possession I have. I will give that to you if that's what it takes. I'm not holding back on you. You see, Jesus... Jesus is a gift at Christmas that was born for a specific purpose. God gave his son because without his son, we were lost. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy says this, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And this Christmas, we need to realize that the greatest gift we've ever been given in Jesus is a gift that's not meant to go up on our foreheads or up on a, a mantle to, to demonstrate to us how special we are. It's a gift that was a blessing intended for us to bless others with. I'm going to read you a letter that was written last week from Pastor Saeed benini. he's an American citizen who was doing missionary work in Iran. Two years ago, he was arrested simply for sharing the gospel. He was arrested for talking about Jesus. This will be his third Christmas away from his family. He has two small children. He's a young man, and he is being held in what is notoriously considered one of Iran's toughest prisons around the whole country. Writing his family, he said this. These conditions have made this upcoming Christmas season very very hard, cold, and shattering for me. It appears that I'm alone with no one left beside me. These cold and brittle conditions have made me wonder why God chose the hardest time of the year to become flesh and why He came to the earth in the weakest human condition as a baby. Why did God choose the hardest place to be born in this kind of cold weather? Dear sisters and brothers, the fact of the gospel is that it is not only a story about Jesus, but it's the key of how we are to live and to serve like Jesus. Today, we, like Him, should come out of our safe comfort zone in order to proclaim the word of life and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the penalty of sin that He paid on the cross and to proclaim His resurrection. We should be able to tolerate the cold the difficulties, and the shame in order to serve God. We should be able to enter into the pain of a cold, dark world. It might be necessary to come out of our comfort, to leave the comfort of our lives, leaving the loving embrace of our family and entering the manger of the lives of others such as it has been for me for my third consecutive Christmas. It may be that we will be called fools and traitors and face many difficulties, but we should crucify our will and our wishes even more until the world hears and tastes the true meaning. Christmas. As difficult as that moment is, right now sitting in a jail cell all the way across the world, our brother has reminded us that no matter what the cost, God went through He was willing to sacrifice His Son to come to earth so that He could die and carry the penalty of our sin. And at the same way, in the same kind of token, we need to be the kind of people who are willing to, as He said, go into the manger of the lives of others. To love them and invite them to experience Jesus. See, God gave. He gave His Son. He has given to all of us so richly and generously. When the angel says that this good news can cause great joy, the way it becomes our joy is when we do exactly what the shepherds did. We experience Jesus and we tell others about it. Let's pray. God, today, we thank you for our brother that's in prison right now. God, and we ask you to be a comfort with him. And we thank you for the reminder that he gives us today. God, that Christmas is about a God who was willing to come into our manger. Christmas is about Jesus who came to our dirty lives to give himself up, to save us and rescue us from our failures. And if Christmas becomes anything other than that, we've missed it because God, you're the giver. God, we get to receive. So with every... Head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you this question this Christmas. Do you need to receive the gift of God's Son? Do you need to receive the gift of God's Son? Maybe, maybe you've experienced a little bit of Jesus, but you've walked away from Him. Maybe for the first time in your life you realize that you need Him, that you're in a mess, you can't get yourself out of Him, that you've been infected by sin and you do not have the cure, but God does. We find that in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But if you know today you need to receive the gift of Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else in the room? I need Jesus today. Now I'm going to ask you another question, and I want you to think about this. The only way a blessing becomes joy is if you're willing to let go of it. And there's things in your lives right now, there might even be good things that you're holding on to that you need to let go of. Maybe right now God's reminding you of something that you've been holding on to that He wants you to let go of. How many of y'all would say that? There's something I'm holding on to. Raise your hand if that's you. I've been holding on to something I need to let go of. So God, for those that are here that need the great gift of Jesus this Christmas, God, we thank you that you give it freely. And God, for those that are here today that desperately need hope in the midst of brokenness, God, those that have been holding on to things that are destroying their lives, God, would you please, by your mercy, allow them to experience the release and freedom that only comes from